marketing. Drunk marketing. Drunk marketing. Drunk marketing. So I saw this meme today, and I see memes every single day that I love every single day, but this one I hadn't thought of before, and it's so true. It's how to watch a movie in 2018. Step one, open Netflix. Step two, click through 500 films. Step three, select TV series. <laughs> Step four, pick episode you've seen. Step five, look at phone for 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I was thinking about it. I was like, I never, if I ever try to watch a movie on Netflix, I'm always just like, nah, but I'll just watch The Office. <laughs> yeah, I don't typically <laughs> gravitate, especially on Netflix, towards movies. Um, and when I do want to watch a movie, I'll go to Amazon Prime, where all my movies live. Like, I've Prime, like, I've always just bought our movies from the Fire Stick. So all of my movies, like my entire digital library is on Amazon Prime. So what am I going to do one day when, I mean, I know that I always own them, so I don't necessarily need a Prime subscription, but it's just part of like my Prime life. So I don't know. <laughs> like it was prime like life. the day when you like, I remember at one point being, it was like Christmas time and my kids wanted to watch Elf and I knew we had it on DVD, but like we hadn't, we'd gotten a new TV or we'd gotten like. I don't know, maybe rearrange the house in some way that, like, we didn't re-plug in the DVD player because we never watched DVDs. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right, well, I could go downstairs and, like... Set up the whole like, DVD. Like, get the DVD player, yeah. find the DVD of Elf. I was like, but it's just worth my time for, like, twelve ninety nine to buy. Twelve ninety nine. I don't know. I don't know. Star Wars was only, like, four bucks when we bought that on Amazon Prime. I don't know how the much it was. One. Whatever. Yeah. However much it was. Like, yeah. I bought the... I didn't rent it. Like, I bought the... Mm -hmm. Oh, I get, yeah. Ours was probably, like, a one-day rental. Okay. Yeah. Usually, like, the, like, 24 to 48 hours, sorry, rentals. Either way, it doesn't matter. I bought... I rented... I bought that copy of Elf. But it was just the ability to have that digital copy that I could watch any time and... I didn't have to worry about, like, getting out of the DVD player or anything like that. Yeah. So. No, that's totally worse. <laughs> you have to set up, like, you don't know if you have the right cords, and then, like, plugging it in, it's like, who knows if DVD players are using HDMIs. Like, they could have still been using, like, the red, blue, yellow yeah, uh, plugs had, or something like that. And I, think, I remember, like, it had, like, this weird thing, because we had, like, the cords fed through the wall, so, like, they weren't hanging down. So then there was, like, always this, like, and then they came out of this, like, other... Um, like portal or I know it's not the, the right word, but like this other port or like the, the mm -hmm. cord like went down and through the basement or like <laughs> yeah. through the wall and yeah, out Yeah, some like crazy the... like setup. You're like, oh, I could just, you know, pay the extra 10 bucks and just have this and watch it <laughs> digitally. Yeah. yeah, I just... It's so... like those crazy people who go to Redbox still and I'm just like, I don't understand what's happening. Like, it's a movie you're watching nowhere but Red Redbox. Like. I, well, I had this conversation. Well, I know, like, you and I have had this conversation before, maybe even on the podcast, but, like, I'm always amazed when I see people at Redbox, but I was just talking to, I think it was a coworker, maybe, and they were like, yeah, like, my parents, they don't have, like, a smart TV, and they don't have Netflix, and they don't, you know, that's mm -hmm. how they, that's how, like, my parents watch movies, or that's how whoever watches movies 
It just seems so foreign to me, but... Yeah, it's bizarre. I never... Redbox came out at, like, the time when Netflix was getting big. And, like, my parents always had on-demand through their cable service. Yeah. So they could get all the new movies through that. And then anything else would be on Netflix. So I never really got into Redbox. But then I figured it was just, like, a fad, like, blockbuster or something that would just go away. But, but they're still, they're everywhere. They're, like, at all the Walgreens. <laughs> yeah, but it's still cheap. Like, honestly, like, if you want to save a couple dollars, it's cheaper to go to Redbox and get a new release out. I think you can secure it, like, or, like, like look it up online and find out, like, which Redbox near you actually has the, the yeah, movie so in the box. So you're not just going and, like, taking a crapshoot. If you have a specific new release that you want to see. Right, and it's um, not And I think it's already. cheaper, like... Like yeah, I'm sure it's like four ninety nine to to rent a twenty four to forty eight hour rental on Amazon or like even through your cable provider. Like right. I don't know what the my parents do that a lot. Like they rent the digital movies through their like Xfinity or whatever cable they have. But yeah, I mean it saves a couple dollars here or there if you still have a DVD player plugged into your wall and you don't have a smart TV. Right. Or Blu-ray at this point. Are they running Blu-rays or are they DVDs still? I can't imagine they're DVDs. I don't even know. I never. I don't, really, know. I don't know either. I never, like, Blu-ray was like a technology that, like, was right on the cusp again, like, kind of on the cusp of digital. Right, I just never got into it because, like, I was just getting things digitally. Yeah, and I remember, like, having the conversations, like, well, we could get a, I, I, like, when we bought, like, a DVD player, like, I, I think our DVD tape player broke or something, and we needed a new one. And it was like, well, we could get a Blu-ray, it was like, but, like, we could also get digital, so, like, is it worth it to get this? And then we had, right. like, an Xbox, it was like, well, if we want to watch Blu-rays, we can watch it on the Xbox, I oh, think. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or, like, PlayStation, or, like, whatever, like, video game system, yeah, we, those, like, whatever we had at the time mm-hmm. was about, like, yeah. So there was, like, a lot of decisions to make, and I think that at the time we made the right decision to, like, buy a cheap DVD player instead of, like, upgrading the technology. Yeah. Because, like, minutes later, we were just downloading, right. like, oh, yeah, HD cup, like, HD videos. It almost was, like, the wrong move to even buy the cheap DVD player, you know? Like, in, like, hindsight, like, <laughs> I guess just because you own all those DVDs, that'd be, feel silly to, like, not... They're, you know, they were in the basement. Yeah. Like, it was a couple movies, like, the kids that, like, the kids liked when they were younger that we would watch from time to time, but... Even though it's like, uh, there's probably at least two or three movies that we have DVD versions of that I've bought digital versions of for that exact reason of like, it's just easier to... Right. Oh yeah, definitely. And the kids know how to use the fire stick and stuff, so... Yeah. So anyway, enough about watching movies in 2018. Today we're drinking uh, Deep Eddies, which is D-E-E-P space E-D-D-I-E-S. It's not Deep Betty's or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, I thought it was that. like D-Betty's the yeah. first time I was trying to look it up online, but... Yeah, Deep Eddies. Um, and it's all these like crazy flavored vodkas. Um, and it's not like clear vodka, like that gross Smirnoff crap. But like it's, uh, it's like yellow vodka for the lemonade and like or like red for grapefruit like there's some like real flavor in there it's not yeah, just it's, like it's almost like a grapefruit. mix like more so than just like a flavored vodka yeah we don't have any like there's no garnish in here like we didn't squeeze a lemon or lime in this drink although it would be good with that um but it's just literally the deep eddies and the club soda and it's yeah it tastes it's like perfect. fair it's, lemonade or something yeah it had like it's tart but it's not sweet no like, but it's got that tartness of, of lemon. So, it, yeah, I, I'd have to say it's got real lemon. I didn't, I don't know that I've never looked at the ingredients to see if there was. Yeah, I don't know if it's real or fake, but whatever or it is. there's, like, it tastes, sugar. It tastes good. <laughs> sugar in it. I'm not going to be mad. Whatever it is, I'm not mad about it. It tastes no, good. And... No, it's very good. 
And they have different flavors too, like orange and grapefruit and lemon. And, they have the sweet tea. Yeah, sweet tea. So we were saying you can combine the lemonade and the sweet tea to get a really awesome spiked Arnold Palmer. So I've just made a vodka. Yeah, of exclusively vodka. Could probably, no, but we could top some club soda. Club in there, soda, half yeah. And half. You should do club soda, or you could even add real Arnold Palmer, <laughs> like like regular lemonade, nice tea. If you want to just go on a hundred percent sugar rush. <laughs> I don't like sweet tea. Oh, okay. Well, you'd have to use regular tea. Anyway, I don't want to be up all night. That's a whole thing. Yeah. Well, anyway, it's a, it's just a good thought. But yeah, anyway, the Deep Eddie's vodka, I've had great experiences with it. So Yeah, I want to, I want to try out the other flavors. I, like I said, our local, my local grocery store, I was pretty excited. I think, I don't know, I can't remember if we just talked about it. I feel like we've talked about this on the podcast before, where I said once to like my one coworker, I was like talking about the grapefruit, and he was like, oh, you've never had Deep Eddie's before, like... Like, that's his life. Like, he was pretty much talked like Deep Eddie's was life, and I can't <laughs> believe it's taking me so long to, to have recognized it. It's like, but, what the heck? Yeah, but I went to the grocery <laughs> store, and, like, there it was. Like, I went to this flavored vodka section, and there was, like, a whole shelf of it just yeah, lined of Deep Eddie's of, like, all the flavors. and It's all the rage. It is. There's an orange one. We don't need to discuss all the flavors. You can go to their website. Yeah. Which is also, like... I know I'm like slightly off topic, but I feel like we just talked about this the other day. I don't know if it, no, I don't even think it was you. But I was talking about like when you go to an alcohol website, or was it you? Um, then you go to like an alcohol website, and they're like, "Yes, I'm 21." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, like I, I like, like someone's to go in there who's 20 and is checking no. <laughs> like 16 year old Chelsea would be like, uh, "Well, 16 year old Chelsea probably wouldn't have done that," but like. 18 to 20-year-old Chelsea would have 100% been like, uh, yeah, because it's not like you can buy it from the website. Yeah, you website. can't buy it from the website. It's just looking at it's it. It's just like, why you just can't look at alcohol? It's not like you can't, I don't know, do they still have liquor ads in magazines? Do people read magazines? I don't know what's going on. With I don't know, but that's, that reminds me of that's when you called yourself a goodie shoe, two shoes, and then I came up that with the opposite of that phrase as baddie one shoe. <laughs> right, we were going to look up the origin of goodie two shoes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So goodie two shoes, and then, you know, bad people, clearly, if that's whatever that phrase came from, were wearing one shoe. Baddie so, one shoe. Baddie one shoes is someone you can call, like, someone who's uh, bad. I don't know, like super villains or baddie one shoes. <laughs> yeah, somebody who just doesn't follow the rules. You got the goody two shoes who follow all the rules, and then you have the baddie one shoes. Mm -hmm. So if you know the origin of goody two shoes and think that baddie one shoe is worthwhile, let me let us know. Yeah, I say we kick that one off, baddie one shoe. Start using it, all 12 people who are listening right now. Wait, I think we've discussed, <laughs> I think we know the name of this episode. Yeah, probably. <laughs> baddie one shoe. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. All right, well, there's no smooth seg into this week's topic from, from Goody Two Shoes to Batty One Shoes. You can I, trust Goody Two Shoes. Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. <laughs> um, so this week, though, um, Google Chrome started labeling sites that aren't secure not secure, um, rather than just putting that little eye information icon up in the URL bar. And it kind of got us thinking about how... You know, when you go to a site that's secure, that's just like that extra level of like, okay, I feel comfortable on that site because it has that green padlock and it says secure versus now where you go to a site that's not secure. Not It's not that like there's going to be tons of viruses hacking your computer, but it almost feels that way where it says like not secure in the top corner and it's like in red and it's like, you're like, I got to get out of here, yeah. you know, because people are conditioned to like malware, run, like. <laughs> right, or pop-ups. Right, yeah, exactly. So... 
So we were kind of thinking about different ways um, to establish trust between your brand and your customers. And obviously, if, if online is a big part of your brand, making sure your website is secure with an SSL um, is a huge part of that because then when they're browsing your website, they feel safe making a purchase or, you know, filling out a form or taking a survey or even just reading an article or something like that. So I have, I have, I have many notes in many different directions on this topic. Um, but I guess I was, you know, I was kind of thinking about like how in the route of like how brands build trust. And if you're a new brand or yeah, new brands, especially it's tough. Like, you know, or, you're unfortunately in this like crisis mode. Like how do you rebuild that trust? Right. Like we talked about last week, um, which kind of, you know, just off the top of my head without doing any research, I was just kind of thinking about like things that brands can do, um, to get that trust level, like, you know, establishing some good positive reviews, um, finding some brand ambassadors that are trustworthy people. Um, I actually put like gross, but true because unfortunately, like you've got like, some cosmetic lines where you have, you know, I don't necessarily identify with the Kardashians Mm -hmm. or whatever they're selling, but you know, people really just like they're into that and they trust that the things that they talk about. Yeah, exactly. And it's not that they always trust Khloe Kardashian for like political advice, but they do trust her for makeup Makeup. advice or something like that. Yeah. There's a food blogger that I follow on Instagram actually. Um, and she is a sponsor, like an affiliate sponsor of Tillamook cheese. And like, I like, it seems like a super cool, like Tillamook seems like a super cool, like socially conscious producer of cheeses. Like Mm -hmm. when, when I can eat cheese, Yeah. (laughs) um, they make ice cream now, but like, so she's posting all these things, but like, it's really hard. I don't, I don't know where they are, but it's hard to find Tillamook cheese around here. Okay. Um, but I want it like. (laughs) <laughs> but she like she's got me because like said like she like typically like her recipes are like whole like real ingredient type things like she just makes everything not necessarily everything from scratch but like it's the type of cooking that I do when I cook so mm-hmm. like I identify with her but yeah like she's like so kind of on the on the side I guess has like I think she was like one of the people that what I started following when I was like super into instagramming pictures of the lunches that i packed for my kids which i had a solid two years oh yeah lunchbox photographs in my (laughs) instagram every single day i had a spreadsheet wow of all the things that i packed them whether they liked the thing that i packed, like how like how much food came back like after lunch just like whether they ate it or not like how well it carried that's so much effort that's a lot yeah it was really like i it was like it's i don't typically stay like vested in something like I lose interest in things pretty quickly in life but that was like I just was like super into it um yeah so like through that I just started following like certain yeah yeah that makes sense yeah so brand ambassadors um one of the things I just said like stay true to yourself um which led me to think about like the Ben and Jerry's examples that we talked about in the past where like you know if you stay true to your values then you know, even though you might alienate some people, your loyal customers are going to stay true and probably respect you even more. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then again, that made me to my next statement, which was just core values in general. And another bit of free Metler Toledo Press was that was like one of the things I loved about working for that company because they were so vested in their core values. Like I remember one of the core values was like spend the company's money as if it was your own. Mm-hmm. 
And like for some reason, maybe because like such a big part of my job included <laughs> spending, like writing really huge checks. <laughs> well, I mean, I like I did, like <laughs> you know, like I was paying for advertising. I was like doing trade shows. Like, yeah, yeah. No, so no, it's I like <laughs> you're signing up for a trade show, and it's like, well, I could spend like this amount of money on like this extra like to get some ferns in the booth, but, like, really, are ferns in the booth really going to make that big of a deal? Is that a thing? Like, with trade shows, you can, like, pay extra for plants in your booth? Hell yeah, you can. Wow, that's they charge hilarious. You, trade shows trade you for, they charge you for everything. Like, so we got to the point that we would start to stock things like, like, the like a little ferns? plastic garbage can. Oh. We did, like, for our really big ones, like, where we had, like, giant island booths with, like, a lot, like, we would have, like, espresso machine and fresh baked cookies, like, the whole gamut of, like, oh my God. old school trade show madness, but... Um, but like even for the smaller ones, like, so for the big ones, we would have like the ferns, we had like all the decorations and everything. And usually we had some kind of theme that we like rolled into it. So we would have to source that stuff. But, but like the little plastic garbage can, like a little tiny black plastic garbage can was like, it was ridiculous. Like it was like $18 a day. And then like, if you wanted that shit emptied, (laughs) Oh and my then, god! Like and then the carpet and the padding, like there were just so many like little like nickel and dime thing when you're signing up for a trade show. It was crazy talk. Wow, that's um, wild. But as a you know, the one like I said, one of the core values was spending money as if it the company money as if it's your own. And sometimes it's it's easy for people to like kind of have that opposite mentality of like, well, it's no, not it's, my money. Yeah, I don't exactly. Care. It's company's money. But it really, like, I feel like everybody, like, that company was so, like, vested in their core values, and they were in the lobby, they were printed out, like, they were everywhere, like, they Mm -hmm. had the core values, like, everywhere you turned, there was, like, some poster with the company core values on it. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was really just hard to, it was easy to stand by those and make those part of your day-to-day. Well, and especially when it carries through and the customers can kind of identify with that as yeah. well. And it kind of aligns with their core values too. So yeah, it's always nice. That'll, that'll build trust for sure. So that was one of my, like, that was, those were like just my off the top of my head. Yeah. Trust, like, identifiers. Yeah. Um, and then I was kind of thinking about, like, customer service and customer experience a little bit. And I happened upon this article. I don't remember where it was from, but I know the statistic came from Salesforce State of the Connected Customer Report, mm-hmm. um, which said that nearly eighty. That's a mouthful, right? <laughs> nearly eighty percent of consumers say that experience that the experience a company provides is as important as the products or services, and that sixty-three percent say that they would pay more for a positive customer experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, which led me to customer service in general. Um, you know, being, especially if you're in that space where you provide a service or a product to somebody and you have customer service, yeah, um, that's your bread and butter. Like those people are your first line of defense. And I know like we back to maybe the first episode of the podcast where we talked about like my days of working customer service and really having that great understanding for what customers wanted because I talked to them on the phone every day and like we talked about the humble hat and like asking your customer service reps like what your customers want like that's yeah it's just so important and yeah i think being accessible and as far as customer service or sales or whatever is a huge huge piece of being trustworthy because if i just like find like a landing page like that i clicked on from an ad or something like that and i'm like i don't know if i'm ready to buy yet or i just bought this product and i need some help and i like can't figure out like I want to talk to somebody about something but like the landing page just like buy the product now or I just bought the product and I'm like 
shoot, like, I don't know how to use this. Like, who do I talk to? And then there's, like, I go back to the landing page with it's just to buy another one, you know? Yeah. Like, that that being available and, like, having features on your website, like a lot of e-commerce sites have now, of uh, live chat, and just, like, helping people, like, like, I think I mentioned cleaning my Sphere shoes. Like, they didn't make any money from me asking them how to clean the shoes that I already have. But I trust that brand so much more because I know, you know, next time I'm looking for shoes, I'll probably go back to Sphere because... I know if I have any questions about the product and stuff like that, I can feel confident that I can go right back to that website and ask that customer service person, like, hey, my shoelace broke, like, which shoelaces should I buy and how do I relace them, you know, and they they would be able to help me out or, like, point me in the right direction. Yeah, and that kind of goes to, like, we were talking about Amazon last week and how they were kind of, they just are this powerhouse of, you know, they can do no wrong. Like even if they fuck everything up, right? they're still, but a huge portion of that is the experience and not necessarily the experience with Amazon itself. Although they make returns pretty easy. You know, if you're a prime member, you kind of get some benefits there, but the reviews, um, there have been many things that I've had in my shopping cart that I'm like, well, I'm going to read a couple of reviews before I make this purchase. And then I go to, excuse me, I go to the reviews and I'm like, well, well shit, I'm not getting that now. Like, (laughs) It's like a set it's of knives. Un- it's like 4.2 stars? No, no, no. Yeah. I need 4.5 or above, which honestly, that's how I shop on Amazon, so. <laughs> yeah, it has to be, like, absolutely. But, like, I'll go back and I'll, like, I want to see those couple reviews. Because you're going to always have, like, that person that was, like, like, that today we were, like, talking about oh, that right. restaurant. Yeah. And then someone's like, I'm going to read it three stars. The food and the service were excellent, but I was seated by the door and it was very cold. I wouldn't yeah. recommend sitting by the door in the wintertime. I'm like, well, that wasn't. The right. restaurant's fault, like, it wasn't necessarily your fault either for, like, yeah, you didn't choose like, to sit there, but at the same time, like, if the food was excellent and your service was excellent, right? like, you can't give a three-star. It's, like, nitpicking super hard, because that sucks, because then someone looks at that aggregate, and it's just, like, you know, if enough people give stupid reviews like that, they're like, eh, I don't know, I hear good things, but, like, maybe it's not that good, because look at the aggregate ratings, only four stars, it's not four and a half or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's because a dumbass is doing, given three-star and four-star reviews because everything was great except they were seated by the restroom or, like, they got a little cold. Yeah, but, like, Amazon are are really, like, any kind of clothing manufacturer, I appreciate where, like, I know Amazon specifically has that, like, true to size. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, thing that, like, I don't know, like, it says whether or not it runs true to size and then, you know, like, looking at the reviews. Yeah, they say it runs big, runs small. Like, some people are like, yeah, I'm like, I'm 5'6", I weigh 160 pounds, and I bought a medium, and it was huge on me, and you're like, well, shit, I'm 5'3", or, no, I'm not, I'm way shorter than that, but... (laughs) We'll give you (laughs) 5'3". I'm 5'1", and, like, you know, so I'm, like, I'm not gonna buy a medium, like, that's, I would normally buy a medium as a, like, human being, sometimes a small, depending on where I'm shopping, but, like... Go and read those reviews, and right. lo and behold, like I've gotten burned by forgetting to do that, and like just ordered this one shirt that was medium, and now I'm like, ah, oh, this doesn't fit right. I should have ordered a bigger one. And then, right, that's the worst one. It shows up to, and you have to debate like, do I want to return this or not? Yeah, my it, sister-in-law ordered the same exact shirt. It was funny. Like she and I showed up like Thanksgiving or Christmas or something, like to some family event. And she and I were wearing the same thing, and hers fit, like, the way I wanted it to fit, oh, which was, like... did she get it a size smaller? She got it bigger. It was, like, a little bit oversized. Oh, okay, she was okay. wearing it with leggings, like, which was kind of, like, the model. The look that you wanted, yeah. Yeah, and, 
like it was like a sweater kind of thing with like boots and leggings and I was like that's what I wanted but I can't have to wear mine with like jeans because it has to be like too tight like around my hips to like float like it looked yeah. like on the model and she was like yeah I read the reviews and they were you know it said to size up and I was like <laughs> the one time I just got so excited because it was a good deal like, right that- just dove right in I think yeah. Amazon does a good job too with the reviews of <laughs> it's Amazon's it's shitty in a sense because they force like the seller and then the buyers to basically do all the work for them it's like all the buyers review and the seller has to optimize all the data there versus like but you know, it's a it's a good. And everything business. I buy, I don't necessarily get. Like you know, you get that email. I, I tend to find that like when I buy electronics, I'll get that follow up email from the manufacturer, or the seller. It was like yeah, yeah, definitely you know, great your experience, and I'm like yeah, why not? But Amazon doesn't do that for me. Like they're not. No, it's it's a seller reaching out, and they'll oftentimes I'll get like here's some directions on how to use it. Here's some products that you might want to buy that go with it. And, like, also, could you, like, please rate us? Because that's the only way we're going to get sales. <laughs> yeah. So, but, yeah, no, they do they do a good job. But I think, like I said, just being being accessible um, from a customer service standpoint, and I think that's you were kind of going there with Amazon where it's kind of like they're this entity and they're hard to, like, if I wanted to contact Amazon, like, I don't. You have no idea like, how to It's do like, it. I don't really know what I would need to do. Like, you could maybe like, contact the you, seller. Like They direct you to user forums, like, first and foremost. Like, right, which is to another see if you can, like, like source your answer, buyers. like crowdsource your answer, right? Or like you know, if you know you want to return it for sure, but there's like there's no live chat, there's not like a phone number, no. like there's just not a great way of. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's hard to contact them. I was actually surprised. I got an email the other week because um, for some reason I was due a credit for my YouTube uh, TV subscription, and they're like. We we're unable to process this refund. Please live chat us at your earliest convenience or like call us. And I was like, live chat or call Google. Like I've never like had the opportunity to contact Google except for when I signed up for my Google ads account and they just called me nonstop and like, here's a number, like call us if you need any help. Um, but that's because I want I wonder me. why. Yeah, it's because they want my money. But um <laughs> but this one I was like live chatting this person, she was super helpful and like I'm still not convinced it's not a scam. Like I'm assuming all the money in my bank account will be gone in a couple of days. But like, she was super helpful. Everything was legit. It was on the Google domain and everything. And I got a follow-up email from, hey, great news. The refund's in process. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I didn't expect to be able to live chat with anybody from, like, YouTube or Google or anything like that. Yeah. So that was that was kind of a cool experience. Um, but, yeah, that Amazon is so not, not accessible. And I think accessibility is a, a huge, huge thing um, for gaining trust with your, with your audience because... You know, would I, I wouldn't trust someone who, like, a person who would never talk to me and I never knew, like, if I would text them, they would never respond and stuff like that. It's kind of, or you didn't even have their number, you couldn't figure it out type deal. And then compared to, like, your best friend, he, like, you know, you can call them at 3 a.m. and they'll answer and they'll, like, help you out with your problem or whatever. Right. So that's kind of what you have to be as a brand. You know, if you're not open at 3 a.m., then don't get on live chat at 3 a.m. But, you know, the, you kind of have to be available for your customers and, at a lot of different touch points, which is different than how it used to be before the internet and stuff like that. Cause, but now people just really expect you to like, they need answers immediately. And so you need to be there for them. Cause if not, someone else will be. Yeah. One of the case studies I was looking at was Zappos and how they kind of etched their niche in the shoe market. Um, kind of, you know, similar, like you're, you're talking about your series, but mm-hmm. it was like their customer service first and foremost, which made them the most, the leader in 
like not necessarily even shoes, but kind of e-commerce where yeah, they did a like, really good job starting like the, the returns. Like no questions asked. Like you don't like it, doesn't matter. Return like send them back, refund, or get it the right size, or you know whatever it is. Um, like you can even have worn them. Like there's just there's so many great things about Zappos that mm-hmm. has you know they're more than shoes now even like there's tons of things that you can buy on Zappos. Mm-hmm. Um, but just because they realized there was a need, like people were buying things online and they're having a, like really shitty experiences. Right. <laughs> and like, how can we fix this? Like, what are we doing? All right, let's sell some shoes. Right. And like, let's make it easy. So like, you're going to buy brands that maybe you want to buy. And even if there's something that's available on that manufacturer's website, like, I'm not saying this because I don't know that this is an actual example of anything that's real, so please don't get mad at me, but, like, I've never bought Adidas online, but let's just say Adidas. Anyone had a pair of Adidas, and they weren't the right size, or, like, they came, and it was, like, you just decided you didn't want them after all, you had some buyer's remorse. Like, I don't know what the experience is to have to return those, but, like, had you bought them on Zappos, it could be the same exact pair of shoes, probably paying the same exact price. Right. And you're just like, fuck it, I don't want these. Yeah, you return, return them, them no, no questions, questions asked, asked. Yeah. And, and it's just yeah they did a really good job of disrupting the the e-commerce industry like that was one of the first big ones who was everyone's like oh yeah zappos shoes yeah. um but yeah it's because they did it right and people were able to like use the website easily and the return policy was easy to do the shipping everything was really easy and i think they, that that gained a lot of trust for people yeah even their experience overall like it had some really great like i, I feel like too like one of the first like really good filtering Oh, yeah, options. product filtering, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, being able to, like, shop by color or whatever. It doesn't, like, it was... Yeah, exactly. Like, black, Adidas, men's, you know, whatever it was. Like, and you could filter down, and that's kind of how the standard of e-commerce. Because if you get to a site and you're like, uh, I want a men's polo uh, on sale, and it's if you can't, like, figure... If you can't put those three things together, you're like, what the heck? <laughs> yeah, why well, How am I supposed to shop? <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, another, uh, to kind of pivot, another big deal um, that I kind of have a personal story to tell with um, with brand trust is consistency. Um, because you don't want your website, your social properties, and your storefronts to all look different. And even if those differences are a little minor, any sort of like differences or confusion or like friction that people have is going to kind of like set them off a little bit and they're not going to really know because... One of the first things I said when I started it at Rentware was all the trucks had different logos on them. Like mm-hmm. they had bought the different trucks at different times. They had like a different tagline or like one, some just had like, said like textile rental services. And it was like only one with like the current logo. And so the first thing I said, was like, it's just confusing for people. Like if a truck shows up to your business and like, if you know, the trucks are being switched around and what every week it's a new logo on the same truck and they're just like, what is going on? And it's just like, because what is this company's logo? What's their tagline? And it's like, it's it starts to build that like confusion and consistency is comfort. So the more comfortable people are with your brand, the more they're going to trust your brand because, okay, I see this logo here, here, and here. I'm on Facebook. They're saying this. I'm on their website. They're saying this. And their storefront, they're saying this. They all look the same. That all looks like it's on brand. And I think that's a huge piece too, because if I were to go to, say Zappos decided to open up a brick and mortar store for some reason. If I went in and everything was branded red and like, you know, it wasn't that light blue or something like that. I would be like, is this even the right, like, is this Zappos or is this some other like knockoff thing that I'm at, you know? Well, like, and you like talking about your, 
rentware trucks. So that's kind of like part of your message is like the red truck mm-hmm. and you're used to seeing the red truck pull up, but like, so you might recognize the red truck itself, but without yeah, the, the, the correct messaging or and it just shows that you care about your business. It's like, it's your personal appearance, but it's your business's personal appearance. Right, so exactly. that consistency is so important in, in more ways than just being recognizable. It's, you know, when your fleet is, looks like you put time and care into it because I know you guys do. Right. Then your customers also kind of see that as like, I feel like that's you a huge thing. You hold yourself to a higher standard, right? Yeah. Like, like back to like old, like days of like customer service, like call center sale, inside sales type work. There was like, you know, we'd sit on, like you would go to these like customer service trainings or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, they would say like when you have a, like, even if your computer is slow, because people use that as an excuse a lot when they're talking to customers, like, even if it's not slow, it's just, they're just like fucking around or whatever. They're like, oh, I'm so sorry. My computer's just so slow right now. Like that is, you're just representing your company in such a negative way. Like you're automatically like, oh, I come from shitty computers. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, they're not willing (laughs) to invest in their technology at their workplace. And like, I think some people feel like they're like going to find someone that commiserates with them. Like, oh yeah, my computer sucks to work too. But if you work in like, you know, like even though I was in the scale industry, we were like, we positioned ourselves as like the industry leader in like technology. Yeah, like weighing and technology. Yeah, yeah. So, like, how are you going to be the industry leader when your customer, like, service center is using, like, Commodore 64? (laughs) Yeah, like these old computers. So, like I said, like, so a lot of times you kind of just use that, like, sorry, my computer's taking a long time. It's like filler talk. Um, Think about things like that. Like, your computer might not be slow, or even if it is, like, just hiccuping or glitchy, or maybe your internet's running slow today. Yeah, you never want to. You never want to admit inferiority. Like, yeah, you're telling your customers like, "Ah, oh, the place I work sucks," <laughs> and they're exactly. not willing to. Like they, you might be like, "Well, you know, I'm, I'm making, I don't make any money, I don't get benefits, and yeah, my like, computer sucks." Like, okay, <laughs> I don't know, I, we don't get lunch breaks. There's flies flying around my desk. My trash hasn't been emptied in 15 days. There are. I got flies all around my desk. It's so annoying. I don't know where they come from. My trash gets emptied. They're just coming in the flies. They follow me from the break room. I think. It's well, freaky. you guys have like the like you have the bays and they're empty. They're open. Like the doors are open in the bays. Like, oh yeah, there's bugs. Yeah, exactly. you're just gonna like you can't have trucks driving in and out of like garages that are wide open right yeah no i mean loaded not expect flies i'm just i'm just complaining but there's inevitably going to be bugs and stuff you're just a persnickety little thing yeah exactly so not little sorry (laughs) (laughs) uh but yeah no i i like the analogy of you know making sure like your company image is like think about it like your personal image like you wouldn't want to show up to work in sweatpants every day um, in the same sense, like you wouldn't want your offices to be like messy and like when customers show up, they look like shit, you know, and it's like, man, like everything is real gross. There's paint peeling off the walls. Like, you know, so that's, that's a good analogy. And same thing with our trucks. Like they need to, you know, showing that the updated logo and everything consistent is, is not only good for branding, but it's good for just professional image. of the, so Like the old dress for the job you want, not the job you have. Yeah. There you go. Mentality. There you go. Yeah. yeah, no, that's, I, but yeah, I think consistency is really a really important thing um, and, and gives you some great strides towards towards trust. And it's something that's easy to do, 
but it's something that not a lot of people think about. Like, cause some, like I said, over the years, like, oh, something minor changed, then another minor thing changed, and we updated here, but then, like, we didn't want to update it here, and, you know, and then over the years, you end up with, like, 16 trucks with 16 different logos, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so... But yeah, it's it's something that's easy to fix if you're if you're staying up on it. But then once you kind of fall behind, you're like, "Whoa, holy crap! How did we get here?" <laughs> right, and then it's like, it's kind of like that. Well, if we were to just hit that expense at the time instead of like, "Yeah, we'll do it later," kind of right, because then it all piles it's like, up. No, all yeah. of a sudden you've got like sixteen trucks instead of like one a year. You need off like sixteen yeah, things all to do at all at once. Right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, budgetary wise, it's good to knock things out a little at a time, and just for your own personal sanity. <laughs> yeah. So I know that you read some articles, and you were talking about like some. Was it like post crisis, or was it like just in general, like building trust? I have, I have kind of a, a building trust list, or like how to become a brand trust a brand list. Um, those eight bullet points that I wrote down. Yeah, let's run through it. Yeah, and I think Felix, like, you know, obviously we could talk about some of them we've already discussed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but number one is just deliver on your promises. Um, you know, if your tagline says delivering excellence, then fucking deliver excellence. Yeah. Or, I don't know, if technology leader, you want, like, if you're tagline says we're the technology leader in an industry then be the then technology be it, yeah. from start to finish and that's that's one of the big things my grandpa and, and Dell our sales manager always say and I've heard when I've been on sales calls they always tell potential customers and current customers like we keep the promises we make yeah and that's like a big a big deal like when we say that we're gonna um deliver your uniforms every Tuesday at this time like that's when we're gonna do it it's not gonna be like randomly on a Thursday one time you know yeah so. I mean I think of it like that like under promise over deliver yeah mentality so you know obviously you don't want to like under promise too much in a way that's gonna lose your business <laughs> we but, might show up one time I don't oh, know <laughs> well. but then you're just there all the time but yeah. deliver on your promises so you know whether it's a product or service or or, or anything like you know we're going to launch a new website and this is the date that we say we're going to launch a website then, then launch it deliver that on that date yeah but an important piece of that is make realistic promises for you too i mean don't say hey we just met you this week and we'll launch you a website next week if that's not obtainable you know and maybe it is for depending on what you're doing but you know don't don't over promise just to get the sale, like make sure that you're, you're promising something obtainable so that both your team and the customer are going to be satisfied at the end of the experience. Yeah. I mean, just like capitalizing on the word deliver in general is like pizza. You think about like, I don't know if it was like Domino's or Pizza Hut, one of those brands, it was like 30 minutes or less, or it's like free. Yeah. It was like their thing for a while. And like, I think it got so bad. They just had to like cancel that program. (laughs) It's like, Oh, we can't do this. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so deliver on your promises, especially if you're delivering pizza and you say it's going to be there in 30 minutes or less, you better fucking deliver yeah, it. Yeah, you better get it there. Time. Or if they're, you're ordering food and they say it'll be ready in 30 minutes and I show up 30 minutes later and it takes another 30 minutes of me sitting in the waiting room to get this pizza and gluten-free pasta, like just tell me an hour. Just tell me an hour, okay? Yeah. We actually <laughs> delivered. I, have, I ordered lunch in today for a meeting, a lunch meeting that I was having with a couple of people and... I just knew, like, I knew, I should have known, and I waited too long. Like, had I ordered it yesterday and, like, pre, I could have, like, preemptively, like, set the delivery time for 11.45, knowing that noon is probably when I would have gotten it. Mm -hmm. But that's exactly what happened. Like, we were, like, a half an hour into our meeting when the food actually arrived because I didn't have time to, like, accommodate for the fact that 
Their delivery is just notoriously slow. Right. But their food's so good and just... I give them a pass. It's okay. <laughs> it was just three of us sitting in a meeting, brainstorming and like putting together some presentation. So I was okay with it. And I knew that they wouldn't really yeah. care if it was late, but that's, an, I don't know if it's on your list, but just real quick. Another thing that's going to build trust is just having a really great product or service, you know, like that, in that case, you overlooked the slow delivery because you really love their pizza or salads or, or whatever yeah. you guys were getting. So have a good product, which is a key to staying in business at all. But it's also a key to building trust. Yeah, I mean, that actually, like, that specific example, I don't remember what I talked about. My, sorry, that was, like, a lot of aggressive page flipping. Um, but, yeah, like, talking about the, it was the statistic of Salesforce, like, I guess the product, and I don't know, maybe not, that doesn't, I don't know. We talked about something earlier, which made me think about that. It doesn't matter. I'm not even going to worry about it. Number two is... Um, being available, which again, we talked about that as far as Zappos goes, um, that actually made me think about that tweet that I, (laughs) I tweeted yesterday about, I don't know, I was like at a baseball game and there were peanuts everywhere. And I was just like, why are there peanuts? Like I knew why there were peanuts everywhere. (laughs) I was at a baseball game. Like that's just like part of baseball. It's like Americana is like apple pie and peanuts at baseball games. But like, I thought about like, people with allergies and I was like what happens when you have allergies and you want to go to a baseball game there's fucking peanuts everywhere yeah, it's like you can't really yeah so like right in the middle of this baseball game I had this like deep thought of like and I was like I'm going to tweet about it and I tweeted like to the Indians and to the Pirates like I, I tweeted everyone I hashtagged all the things mm-hmm. I was hoping to get a little more traction from it than I actually did but um Within before the game was over, I got a reply from the Indians about like you know I was like don't want to like diss tradition of peanuts and baseball, but if you have a peanut allergy, how do you fucking go to a baseball game? <laughs> yeah. Like especially the severe one where like you can't like yeah, touch it's... something. Like um, we were, I was talking I was talking about that tweet at work today, and the one girl was like, yeah, I remember when I was in, like first grade, there was a kid who had a severe peanut allergy, and you couldn't eat peanuts, like. Oh, there was someone Even in my before class. before you went to school, like... Yeah, there was someone in my class where, like, someone opened up a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and she, like, freaked out and, like, ran out of the classroom, which in, like, seventh grade were just like, well, that was dramatic, but... <laughs> but now you, re- like, realize, right. like, yeah, how, yeah. how terrifying that is. Like, there was just, um, uh, I can't remember what, uh, what product it was, but there was... Oh, Chips Ahoy! Um, a friend of mine, her child has like a severe peanut allergy so she frequently like shares these things like chips ahoy had these um chocolate cookies that had reese's peanut butter cup pieces in it but the part of the bag that had the reese's peanut butter cup like part that said like has reese's peanut butter cups was covered up by like some promotional movie sticker oh so like it was bad like i don't i think i don't know that someone maybe somebody died like it was really bad oh my god like so thinking about like I mean people have that allergy and if you don't know it's crazy it's it's terrifying but the Indians did tweet back to me right away not right away but you know before the end of the game like I said and they told me where like that they have peanut specific days where like areas in the park that are free of peanuts or whatever mm-hmm. um, and then another friend of mine whose child like another friend who has uh, Patty Patty hey Patty. <laughs> Um, who her daughter has a bunch of allergies. I don't know if she has a peanut allergy, but um, 
she also mentioned like that she knows as like part of her like allergy forum groups that she's part of like that there are days and places that she's aware of um that are safe for things like that mm-hmm. but being available is like yeah back to that point and like certainly like the person who manages the social media accounts for the twitter Cleveland Indians is like the last thing that they needed to be worrying about or it was because the Indians were losing horrifically, although they won today, but they lost to the pirates yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that person probably had a lot of time on their hands to not have to like, send no, they're out. the Indians are good on social media, man. Like they don't respond. They're funny. They're current. Like they're, they're a good social follow, but yeah, being available for your customers, like I said, is, is huge in, in today's day and age when people want answers all the time. So I also yeah. got I got um, followed because of that tweet by somebody called uh, the account called Cleveland Sports Talk. Oh, there you go. Um, they're going to be really disappointed when they realize that I tweet <laughs> I one follow, sports thing. Uh, like I think that account follows anybody like automatically if you engage with like you know X Y Z accounts, they just automatically follow you. So apparently, um, number three is make sure your customers know your rules. So you know whether it's a core value within your company or terms and conditions. Or just something that you just plum won't do. Um, if you're upfront about it and you let your customers know what to expect, um, setting those clear expectations is going to build trust. So yeah, you know, yeah, I think it, setting expectations that's that's another great one. Like you know that goes along with the promising t- thing too. Because if you set the expectation way too high, you can't fulfill your promises. Yeah. people aren't going to trust you anymore. Right. Like we can't offer two day delivery, but. We can't offer three day delivery, or we can't right. offer. And no. if you just say that up front, people are going to be okay with that as long as they know you're not saying two day delivery and then four days later it shows up. Yeah, or like the like bait and switch of like, you know, advertising like, oh, like $5 pizzas, and then you get to the website and it's like, I don't know, like cardboard crust and cheese. Yeah, only <laughs> if, if you somebody. Want- Five dollars if somebody returned the pizza that they didn't want. <laughs> yeah, if you want pepperoni, that's going to be an extra twenty five bucks. <laughs> right. So yeah, just make it clear that your customers know like any of your rules or promotions, um, especially because I feel like brands a lot of times will offer sales and promotions mm-hmm. um, as a way to kind of like drive that engagement, build their audience. Um, but if you can't deliver on those promises, or you know you have all these hidden terms and conditions that people don't know about just sucks and then people are going to leave and they don't want to have to deal with you. Right. Um, take responsibility when you fuck up. That's what I wrote down. Nice. Right. You but, should. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the things we talked about last week. Yeah, exactly. You know, you messed it up. You screwed it up. Take accountability. You shipped somebody the wrong shoes. You needed a YouTube credit for some reason. Like, I don't know why they just randomly wanted to give you a bunch of money. I think they just wanted access to my bank account. <laughs> right. I don't know. Some Nigerian prince wants to send you $8 million. Oh, then... yeah. Well, I've, I've talked to a couple of those, but nobody's ever come through on their promises. <laughs> I've, I've given them my social security number and bank account so many times. And they times. do. They're like, I fucked up. I didn't send you $8 million. Yeah. But I don't sorry. Under- I don't understand. They didn't fulfill their promises. So that's my stuff, Nigerian prince. Yeah, but I think that's... Anyway, another news I'm broke. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think, like, as far as, like, being transparent, I, I think about that from my own work standpoint, um, you know, not necessarily in my current role now, but um, in my early days of, of working in inside sales, it was, like, a, you know, it was in the scales, like, a, the scale company that I worked for, again, just talking about them, but, like, I'm, I'm not a scientist. I don't necessarily know, like, I had a chart that translated like kilograms to grams and 
That's like a thousand of... <laughs> Listen, I said I'm not a scientist or a mathematician. Okay. So don't... The metric system's not that hard, but metrics, metrics to standard is hard. Hard. Okay. It's... Listen, don't judge me. I'm not judging you. You're judging. I can see it in your eyes. Anyway, but like... Yeesh. Yeah, but like as a... You know, in that market, like, you know, whether it was a scale or even now in digital marketing, like, things are changing all the time and I don't always know the answer. So when I tell a customer, you know what, like, sitting in a client meeting, I feel like sometimes, like, a client will try to, like, they'll read an article or they think they know something. They'll try to stump you. Yeah. And it's 100% okay to say, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm sorry, I don't know the answer to that. Like, I would love to, like, let me talk to one of, like, our programmers, one of our developers. Or, you know, try to figure that out for you. Like, I would love to answer that question. That's a great question. Mm-hmm. You know, validate their question for sure. But, yeah. like, don't make something up because chances are they're going to call you on your bullshit. Yeah. And nobody wants to have to deal with being called on their bullshit. So, no. Well, that's the thing. A lot of times people in the short term be like, yes, we can do this. Or, yes, I know the answer to that. When in reality they can't do it or they don't know the answer. And, like, you can kind of, like, skate by, like, right then and there. But, like, three weeks later when you can't do it yeah. or, like, it came out that your answer was wrong. I feel like then that was really one like, screwed. that was honestly one of the best like customer service lessons that I ever learned in life or sales was like to be able to say like be comfortable and confident in saying that I don't know I the don't answer. Know. Yeah. Because you're honestly your end user, your customer, whoever it is, is going to value that answer way more than some A wrong information that they just take your word for because yeah and then they look like a dumbass they a year trust from you now saying and like, they answer. order the wrong thing because you told them the wrong thing and then you have to deal with a return and right. an angry customer and a bad experience um so don't be afraid to don't be afraid to say that you don't know the answer that's such a huge thing yeah um so make it right again taking responsibility um making things right so talking about like thinking about social um thinking about reviews on social media or Yelp or whatever, and somebody was bitching about being cold because they were sitting by the door, you know, like, there's really nothing that restaurant could have possibly (laughs) done. Okay, we'll set you farther away from the door, hopefully next time. Right, but they, you know, like, sorry, like, you know, we, we always want our customers to have the best dining experience. It sounds like you really loved our food and the service is great. Like, why don't you come back next time and, like, one of your entrees is on us or we'll give you a complimentary drink or something. Right, yeah, um, sure. And as long as your audience is seeing that you're willing to make that right and you're taking those steps, like, I could have read that review and they never responded. The restaurant in question that I was, like, looking at today, they didn't respond to any reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, but had I been, like, well, fuck, I don't want to sit by a cold door in December either. Like, I'm not going to go there. And risk run the they risk of it. They have a door and tables. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I've been in that situation. Like, no, not I know. to the point it's... that I would like write a review about it on on a website. It's but cold. It sucks sometimes. I, I remember in my college apartment, like you know, those were like small places, and the door opens right into the living room. Like someone would stand in the door saying goodbye in the middle of like twelve degree weather in the winter. And we're like, shut the door! Like, cause we're sitting there freezing, like yeah, so letting all the cold air in. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, I can see how that would be uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, number six is build a community. Um, so again, we kind of talked about influencers already. Um, we yeah, talked about like brand ambassadors or just, you know, you've got a great product, like asking for reviews, get that, you know, get the word out. Like yeah. that community of dedicated followers or dedicated buyers, they're going to be your best marketing tool that you could possibly have. Yeah. I think Amazon does a great job of that 
anonymous community building with the reviews and stuff and the videos people will post now like like it's just like it's just like people are just all in on reviews and like you don't like just you bought a product so you feel obligated to review it on amazon because that's what people do when they buy things they review it even offline like and i know you and i've had this conversation before and i feel like we've had this conversation at my current workplace i feel like you've had this conversation at your existing workplace where like it's you know like we do what we can to bring in leads from the digital space but you've got the sales team and they're putting themselves out there. So like when you're talking about building a community, like a lot of businesses, especially like if you're selling B2B is a face-to-face engagement. Oh, so yeah. you know, I like think, I you're think building my... your community in a way that like exactly. you've got a great customer and they're going to be word of mouth, maybe give you a, like you're building a community by asking for referrals right. from a great customer or incentivizing referrals or, Or just going to networking events and, like, getting the word out there and meeting people and building your little personal community of the the people who know here. But, like, as as a digital marketer, especially in B2B and, like, not e-commerce space, I think of my job mainly is to make sure people know my company's name and what we do. So then when a sales guy talks to them later, they're like, oh, yeah, rentware, you guys do uniforms and floor mats. And then it's, like, that immediate, like, connection rather than, like, what's, you do what, who are they, why do I need that? You know, like, so yeah, it's, it's more like my job is like awareness to like set them up, like put this people on a tee so then when they meet them, they can knock it out of the park. Right. Or if they say like, go to, if they hand on their business card and your website's on a business card and somebody wants to go to your website and see the breadth of the products and services that you offer, then it's all like there. that's all there and available right. and ready to be seen. Um, so when I talk about building community, it doesn't necessarily have to be like an affiliate network or like a thousand people on a Facebook or group or Chloe something Kardashian, like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, selling your lipstick. It's just a community of people who appreciate your products or getting out on the golf course with some, some clients who are, you know, we just were talking about this the other day to say like, Hey, you've got a great customer that you value and just walk in and say like, Hey, we're going to play some golf. Why don't you invite somebody that you think might also they also benefit use our product from our services. products. Yeah. 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 And then you've got this like word of mouth recommendation, but that is your community. So don't just think about your community as like celebrities or Amazon reviews. Like think about it as like your local community too. So, mm-hmm. you know, like you're going to like maybe the farmer's market and like, I'm not, you know, you're not B2B, but like you sell candles or you have a small like Etsy shop type thing and you're crocheting doilies or whatever people crochet. Like, you know, you're, you're just going to have those different areas of community. I feel like a lot of times we get stuck talking about, like, the things that we deal with, you and I, personally, right. like, oh, on yeah. a day-to-day basis. Yeah, just, like, it's, it's just B2B. easy. It's easy to fall into because we're in, like, niche industries anyway. So. Yeah, so I just, like, I, I'm just trying to generalize it a little bit more, right. like, as oh, to yeah. what community, like, represents. Like, no, Etsy, I, I, I Etsy is a great that. community. Forums, like, yeah. like, Facebook mom blog swap sites. Like, that's all community things mm-hmm. um, that's really easy to to get into and break into and yeah, do it. Um, innovation. And again, like you don't have to just, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to like be Uber and have this disruptive app no, that no. just changes the market, but you know, be innovative, offer something else, look at your competitors and figure out what, what is missing in our industry. What are people not doing? Yeah. And, and even capitalize if- on that. Like be, be, don't be afraid to go outside of, you know, like if everybody in your industry is like, oh yeah, everybody does Facebook advertising or everybody 
goes to these networking events or everybody does this and there's really just nothing else that goes along with it. Like, mm-hmm. try something new and different. Be a little bit... Right. Yeah, don't be afraid to try new things. And I think, too, you don't even have to invent something new. Like, if paper contracts, for instance, are the standard in your industry, but you see an opportunity to use one of the new electronic contracts where you have an iPad and people are, like, signing with their finger and they get automatically emailed things and it's that, like, sales process is a little more automated. I think that is even something, like, you didn't invent that. That's just, like, a service that you pay for. But yeah. it's something that, like, you know, you kind of beat the industry standard. You one-upped everyone else in your in your thing. And that might not be the end thing that's, like, holy shit, that I could sign the contract with my finger. But it's like, oh, wow, this, co- this company's up on the times. They seem to be up with current technology. I'm sure that's going to benefit me because, you know, when they're servicing me or the product that they're giving me is going to be of higher quality. Yeah. Um, and the last bullet point is emotion. Um, Sweet. <laughs> yeah, but emotion. Like, uh, I mean, trust is one of our emotions. Like we are emotionally tied to trusting people, and you're just singing, and you're still singing in your head. And dancing. <laughs> Sweet emotion. That sounds like a horrible song. <laughs> um, but <laughs> anyway, but uh. you know, emotion is. Trust it's is an emotion. It's not sweet. Um, <laughs> just stop. <laughs> but yeah, like emotion, trust is an emotion that people experience. Yeah. It is. Um, so play into that. You know, you want to be trusted. You want people to feel good about your product or service when they think about ordering something or buying something. They're like, yeah, I'm going to, like I said, like, I know my pizza is going to be 15 minutes late, but I feel good about this company. A, their food is delicious. B, I like their mission, like yeah. their core values of their, like going back to those core values, like they really communicate their values. It's part of their company name. It's part of everything that they do. Um, and I just like, I align with them so much that like, um, you know, I just know them. I know what I'm, I know what to expect, but I'm just emotionally tied to people who are kind of in, in a similar, like, social thought mindset is me. Um, and that makes them trustworthy. Yeah, definitely. And then, although it's not necessarily one of my numbers, sorry, I have so much to say. You're looking, we're, we're getting late, but is, um, I say we, we talk about this a lot in the digital space, but it's not a thing to not do when you're talking about trust is measurement. Um, ask your customers how you're doing. This doesn't necessarily mean like you're just trying to like, fish for reviews but like a lot of businesses will do like a state of the customer yeah we state do of the whatever we do quality service evaluations we go to the customer and we ask them some questions like we have them fill out a form yeah so measure that like yeah i mean measure how happy your, your customers. Like, find rate. It, is your yeah. brand trustworthy like you know we talked about like panel app or like consumer panels or i don't know whatever words they are i can't think of the words right now but you know what i mean yeah. All right. Yeah. I think I think this uh, was a good. That's a good place to end. I mean, basically, no one's going to buy from you if they don't trust you. So I think we gave some good some good examples of how you can build trust. So this yeah. is drunk marketing. I'm Chelsea. I'm Connor. Cheers. Cheers.